0: Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful home office Chateau Relaxo, of Florida. Tonight we're talking about the difference a decade makes. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back and thank you. Last week was my last full business travel week before the holiday uh, kind of downtime, that odd time between uh, Christmas and New Year's where you really can't remember what day of the week it is. So for my last trip, it was a pretty much of a road trip combined with a flight or two. I flew into Baltimore on a Sunday Spent the night in White Marsh, Maryland. Woke up Monday to snow on the ground. By lunchtime, we were in New Jersey. The snow was melted. The sun was shining. and I think the temperatures were still hovering in the 30s. The great thing about Jersey is the abundance of diners. So, of course, lunch was at one of those diners. It was at the Harrison House. And this is the type of diner that I picture in my mind. The uh, staff's average tenure is probably... 20 to 25 years. The countertops are worn. They're Formica. The booths are upholstered in this rich brown naugahyde. And, of course, the menu offered French fries. Harrison House offered seven different varieties, some of which are Cajun fries, bacon, provolone cheese, cheddar cheese whiz, and Cajun spices, bay fries, Old Bay seasoning, and cheddar cheese whiz. Disco fries, cheddar, cheese, whiz, and brown gravy, brown gravy fries. I guess that doesn't have cheddar cheese whiz. And, of course, cheddar cheese fries, which contains probably a whole bunch of cheddar cheese whiz. I'd like to be the distributor that is selling Harrison House cheese whiz. Now, the menu was varied. i had veal, salmon, Cajun chicken, roast turkey, swordfish, so naturally I went with the fried mac and cheese chili platter. My plate arrived with five delicately fried balls of mac and cheese goodness, and they guarded a perfectly seasoned bowl of homemade chili. The accompanying sour cream was in their own pre-packaged containers, just like it should be inside a diner. Dinner the next night was in Providence, Rhode Island, and it was at the Lux Burger Bar. Lux offers an amazing menu of prefabbed, pre-configured burgers. But if you want to get the best taste sensation, build your own. I went with the Hereford Beef Cooked Medium slathered with this wonderful creamy goat cheese topped with fresh roasted peppers. Very simple burger, very tasty. Served in under seven minutes. If you're looking to unhinge your jaw as you attack your burger, then do like one of the guys in our party did, order it fatty style. and Fatty style is where they take a grilled cheese, cook that up, and then put your uh, hamburger patty with all your fixing in between it. I think this burger was probably close to six inches by the time it hit the table. Being a cold and rainy Providence, Rhode Island evening, we left there and went across the courtyard to the Union Station Brewery. This was a cool place Sat at the bar. Our bartender knew his beer. We probably sampled almost as much beer as we actually purchased. They had several bottles of Buffalo Trace behind the bar, which is nice if you're from down here in the south. Buffalo Trace is tough to find, but they had plenty of it. This is where I, I discovered the Cranston Thug Life IPA, a very hazy IPA, but a very tasty IPA. The next day, we were headed up towards Boston, and our diner tour continued in Warwick, Rhode Island. We found the Coastline Diner, where lunch was a Portuguese soup that had the most wonderful, spiciest Portuguese sausage I think I've ever tasted, and a whole plate of buffalo slathered chicken tenders, which was uh, truly amazing. All that for change back on a $10 bill. They also offer a ninety nine breakfast special, two eggs, toast, bacon, grits, etc., for less than two bucks. I don't know how they stay in business, but if you ever find yourself in Warwick, definitely check out the Coastline Diner. Our final night's dinner was at Jack Abbey's in Framingham, Massachusetts. Jack Abbey's is another brewery, and it's here that I concentrated on my flights of beer. I made it through two before I had to punch out. Jack Abbey's was started in 2011 by three brothers, Jack, Eric, and Sam. And that trio knows how to brew beer. The best beer of the trip was their Super Mole barrel-aged framing hammer. This was a porter infused with chocolate and peppers. You could definitely taste both. And then aged in bourbon barrels, and you could definitely taste the bourbon in the barrels. It actually bordered on almost being a bourbon. I gave it four two five stars on untapped, and it was a heavy beer. It was about 10% APV. You couldn't sit and drink a bunch of these and go mow the grass, but what a great way to wind down an evening or a week with a uh, a bottle of their Super Mole or a glass and a nice Arturo Fuente cigar. So we had a pretty good beer tour along with the road trip. Most of these were consumed in flights, so mom, don't think uh, I overindulged. We had Amarillo Thrill by Magnifying Brewing out of Jersey. We had Rake Breaker from Jersey Girl Brewing. And Rake Breaker gets its name because they said they put so many hops in the beer that their actual rake that they used to stir everything broke. Industrial Arts Brewing gave us wrench. Uh, at Jack Abbey's, they have a side business. Jack Abbey's specializes more in the loggers. And then they have a sister company called Springdale Beer Company. So at Jack Abbey's, we had a co-pilot Snow Eagle. We had a Jack Abbey's Red Tape. We had a Jack Abbey's Dapple Bach, which was an apple-infused Bach. It was a uh, very heavy, but a very good beer. The uh, single dry-hopped Excess uh, Denali from Jack Abbey's. Hoppiness on holiday. Jack Abbey's Framing Hammer. Jack Abbey's, of course, the Super Mole. Union Station gave us the Cranston Thug Life, which is a great great name for a beer. We also had at Union uh, Station the Road Trip, R-H-O-D-E, from Newport Craft. And then I finished off the week with a bottle I bought from Jack Abbey's of their peanut butter and jelly barrel-aged Framing Hammer. And that seems to be the big movement right now is all these bourbon-aged beers. And they really do kind of hover on that line between a beer or an actual liquor. Uh, it's one of those that I can take or leave, but it's always interesting to really see what they can infuse these beers with and see if it actually comes through in the taste of the beer. It seems like 10-year blocks of time is always a good milestone to look back and reflect or kind of predict what's ahead, being in the tech industry. I'll never forget when uh Y2K was so prevalent, that switch over from 1999 to 2000, nobody really knew what was going to happen. We had all kinds of contingency plans in place. And for the most part, January 1st came and everything seemed to stay intact. But I did come across an article from Tech Craver that they posted in the summer of 2010 or right before the summer. The article was, must have travel gadgets for summer of 2010, and it's interesting to see how far we've come in just a short 10 years. So the first thing that they said was you need a good mobile phone. While on the road, you need to be able to keep in touch, whether it's to call the hotel to get directions, wow, or call home and find out how the kids or grandkids are doing. A mobile phone is essential. So 10 years ago, there was no ring doorbell. There was no Nest cameras, there was no Waze, there was no Google Maps. Tech Craver's recommendation is to get a smartphone because these devices are capable of so much, including maps, taking photos, or emailing home. So in 2010, I was the king of the trackball BlackBerry. We thought we were uh, really riding high because we had the ability to get our email and check a calendar. But other than that, BlackBerry really wasn't that much of a smartphone. I think we used to make a joke about it in presentations that the BlackBerry. And you can see where BlackBerry is nowadays. Fast forward to now, and a new phone is north of a $1,000. We no longer purchase them. We lease them. We just make the payment every month and upgrade when the new ones come out. But they really... A mobile phone, if you take one away from most anybody that's productive and out doing work in the world, it's really, really tough for them to get anything done. We are so dependent on that device. And we don't really use them for making phone calls, to be honest with you. Most everything is done through an app or some kind of a feature or function like that. So when it came to a portable computer, Tech Craver said it's hard to beat a netbook. These portable little workhorses can do everything the bigger brothers can do. However, netbooks are easily packable, get great battery life, and offer a huge amount of utility for their size and shape. They recommended the Asus 1005PE, which had a 10-inch screen and 13 to 14 hours of battery life in Windows 7. Alternatively, you could use an Apple iPad, they said. The 1005PE is no longer available, and according to Moore's law, it's aged out by eight and a half years. The iPad's actually come along way in 10 years, especially in price and uh, function. At the time, the iPad was going to be available in late March worldwide for a suggested retail price of $499 for the 16-gig model, 599 for the t- 32, 699 for the 64-gig. I think I actually had a 16-gig. I probably still have it in a drawer someplace. And then, of course, they offered a Wi-Fi that also included 3-gig through... Uh, Verizon or Sprint or somebody. So fast forward a new Apple iPad with 10.2 inches Wi-Fi 128 gigs of space is under 450 bucks so it's cheaper than what the original 16 gig iPad cost. now 128 gig nowadays you do need a heck of a lot more storage than you did back 10 years ago because of the apps and the programs take up so much space. But look at all that you can do. Most iPads now have dual cameras. They can do scan barcodes, things that nobody thought about 10 years ago. Tech Craver also talked about a digital camera. While on vacation, you need to be able to capture the moment. The new Samsung camera has a unique feature, a screen that faces forward that allows you to take a photo of yourself and see it before it's actually taken. It's called the Samsung TL220 Dual View. Well, guess what? You can still buy the TL220 DualView for a whopping 120 bucks on Amazon. However, few of us amateur photographers are bothered carrying a camera, much less anything else, because our smartphone, with all its filters and apps, seems to do everything we need it to do. Ten years ago, GPS units were huge. There was TomTom, Tom, there was Garmin. The Garmin 1370T was what Tech Craver was hyping up at the time. And it provided some amazing features, including a 4.3-inch screen, eco-route, lifetime traffic alerts, and lane assist that provides guidance on which lane you need to be in for upcoming exit. It has an important feature. It included European maps out of the box. At the time, it was $243 on Amazon. On the verge of 2020, the Garmin 1370T is out of production I think short of truck drivers, I don't know if Garmin is selling GPS units to anybody, right? Is there anybody left that still carries a separate GPS device? But 10 years ago, GPS units were the rage. I bought one from Harman Kardon, and the sole reason was because I was a music guy, and the Harman Kardon made amazing stereo equipment. So I thought, why wouldn't they make a great GPS unit? Well, a few years later, I discovered that there was no way to update the maps. And the high-fidelity sound quality that I purchased it for was eh, marginal at best. In 2019, there's no shortage of apps that could give us directions, tell us where the police are, where the Dunkin' Donuts is, local gas station rest stops, restrooms, whatever you need. It's all in the palm of our hand in our aforementioned smartphone. They also talked about Gadget Track. Gadget Track allowed you to get your gear back in the event that it's stolen. With Gadget Track, you install a package that sits on your computer. In the event of theft, you activate the software and you can see your, where your PC or Mac is at any point in time. It was also available for such things as the BlackBerry and Android, and they were soon to be releasing an iPhone version. So is this ever a technology history lesson? BlackBerry, Android, and coming soon for the iPhone. <laughs> Nowadays, it's everything's built for the iPhone. Eventually, you're probably going to get it for the Android. And 50 50 if you ever see it in production for the Blackberry. So, in the event of a theft, you had to activate the software so you could see where your PC or Macintosh uh, activate the software. No wonder they're defunct. What Gadget Track lacked was that person that could see around corners, that could see what was coming. If that person had been on staff, they would have come up with something along the lines of tile for 20 bucks. I can put this little tile on just about anything. My dog's collar, my laptop, I can throw it in the car. And then using my cell phone or the network of other tile users, if it gets lost or goes missing, I can easily find it. They went on to address Wi-Fi. And in 2010, getting online had always been a major problem when traveling. And it's true. I mean, We were still hooking up to modems in the mid-90s when we got to hotel rooms. Wi-Fi was available in many places but you had to often pay for it. Boingo, Boingo was a, they're still around today as a subscription service that for as little as 10 bucks a month, they gave you access to about 125,000 hotspots that you can pay for purchase plans for both your laptop and your phone. You know, 10 years ago, phones weren't hotspots. I remember we used to do something called war driving, where we would try to go drive around and find open Wi-Fi hotspots. It was very sketchy in airports. Nowadays, even Atlanta has some sort of a free Wi-Fi program. I think it's actually sponsored by Boing Boing. But even the local barbecue joint down the street from my house has Wi-Fi when you hop in. So it's amazing to see what 10 years ago was the hardest thing in the world to do, was get connected to a a Wi-Fi hotspot. And now even uh, buses have it, the megabus. If you ever drive alongside a megabus on the highway, open up your phone and go to your settings and have it search for a Wi-Fi hotspot. And believe it or not, you'll find one for the Megabus. So all this got me thinking about the changes that I've made in the last 10 years, especially in what I carry. So I'm gonna post a picture up on the blog site. And this picture may be closer to 15 years ago than it is 10 years ago. But some things have changed and some things haven't. So one thing that I carried at that time was an IBM ThinkPad. I still carry a Lenovo, but I also now carry a Surface Pro as well. At the time, I had a huge Swiss Army bag <laughs> with wheels on it, and I learned a very good lesson very quickly is the bigger the bag, the more stuff you're going to tote around. You've heard me talk about it before. I love my Averki bags, probably the best. And Really, 10 or 15 years ago, nobody carried backpacks. Typical workers carried a, a shoulder bag, messenger bag, or a, a roll-behind bag. I also carried a little accessory bag with cables in it. I still carry that. The one thing that's missing is a network cable. I don't even know if I have a network cable, an ethernet cable that I travel with. I carried a digital camera and a tripod. I had a travel wallet. I still have the same travel wallet. I've had the my travel wallet. I've had 20 plus years. I had two USB hard drives because at the time it was tough to find anything over 50, 50 gigs. I think now I carry a half a terabyte. I think I carry two. I think I carry a. F- 500 gig and a terabyte drive. So I had two drives. One of them ran virtual PC for Windows 2000, and the other had MP3s and videos on it. I also carried an MP3 player with a corded headset. You know, nowadays, who carries a corded headset? Other than the fact that you get one when you buy an Apple iPhone, I think those go in a drawer in our house. Most everything anybody carries is uh, is wireless nowadays. Alptoids, I still carry those. Moleskin, I still carry those. Every time we had to initiate hardware, we had to use a HASP key, a USB software HASP key. All that's done through, uh, through online and through the cloud nowadays. <laughs> Here's a good one, stapler. I actually carried a stapler with me due to the fact that we still dealt so much in paper back then. I had an iPack. So if you don't remember those, those were those digital assistants. I think HP and Compaq made them. Uh, that was before we had smartphones. So you had your phone to make phone calls and then you had this iPad that you actually had to put into a docking station to transfer all the information. But it also had things like your calendar, depending on what, what model you bought, it could have maps, things like that. It's interesting to look back and to see how far that we've come in just 10 years. You know, nowadays I just, we've got a, a wonderful DSLR camera and we just never take it with us. So how about something from the internet perspective? In 2010, Instagram was launched. Its format, an easy way to share pictures. So my very first Instagram picture was a picture of the seat back pocket on a Delta flight. I'm sure it involved either Atlanta or Fort Lauderdale. And at the time, there was no geolocation, no tags, and the filters were very, very limited. (laughs) So fast forward to 2020 and roughly, you know, 2200 Instagram posts later, you can now share where the picture was taken, who's in it, create a story that includes the weather, a hashtag, some music, asks a question and can even have people weigh in on a poll. It's also been monetized so that when every time you log on, you get to see a targeted ad based on your browsing preferences. So in roughly 10 years, there's a very simple free application that has turned into a major moneymaker. So where will we be in the next 10 years? Who knows? I'm just hoping I can have my George Jetson flying car by then. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening. Safe travels. We'll see you next week. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.